Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This is an historic time. This is going to be a multi-year fight. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? It is not a hoax. It is real. Something that we have never experienced before. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist. You're going to have to tell me. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the series that brings you the latest analysis and the science of this pandemic, so that you can be informed, prepared, and calm. We are still all in this together, my friends. As we said last week, the pandemic is far from over in the U.S., but there is hope. More than half of all adults in the United States have gotten at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine, and the rate of new infections is currently falling in most of the country. But the picture isn't so rosy in the rest of the world. Globally, we're averaging roughly 800,000 new cases and more than 10,000 new deaths every day, with hotspots emerging throughout Europe, South America, and especially India. Since this all began, more than 3 million people have died from COVID-19. Here to help us understand what's happening outside the U.S. is Dr. Bruce Aylward. He is a senior advisor at the World Health Organization, the WHO, and coordinator of their Access to COVID-19 Tools Accelerator, also known as the ACT Accelerator. Dr. Bruce Aylward, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. May I call you Bruce? Please do, if I can call you Bill. Please, please. What's going on? Are things really doing better in the United States? Is that an illusion? And why are other countries, why are they falling behind? Why does it look so much worse elsewhere? Well, around the world, uh, Bill, we're seeing a very similar phenomenon. Um, people have grown tired of this virus, and the only thing they've gotten more tired of than the virus is the measure that it requires to try and control this. That is the physical, physical distancing, the mask wearing, the hand washing, etc. And as a result, in many parts of the world, what we call the stringency of application of those measures are starting to back off. People are gathering together again, but the virus still has lots of space to move to infect because, relatively speaking, only a small proportion of the, most of the world's population has either had this disease or been vaccinated. Very different situation in the part of the world where you are, the U.S., because uh, many more people have been vaccinated, uh, obviously, at this point. But in India, that's not the case, right? No, not at all. Um, In most of the world, uh, we're dealing with less than 10% of the population has actually seen a vaccine. And in most countries of the world, it's even lower, less than 5 or even less than 1% of the world's actually seen a vaccine. 
even in uh, people of a certain age, as you refer to yourself, and healthcare workers, which means some of the highest risk people for dying of this disease, highest risk people for getting exposed in most parts of the world are still uh, unprotected from this virus. And that's what, that's what concerns us the most, especially as vaccination rates climb in other parts of the world. Are you worried about variants or mutations? Uh, of course, but it's interesting when people ask me what keeps me up at, at, at night, what keeps me up is that we have not managed to get vaccines rolled out in an equitable manner. And then coming behind that, we know we've got variants coming. But my first concern is just the equitable rollout of this, uh, of this vaccine. Most people haven't got protection from any uh, virus. Who's responsible for distributing it? Do you, do you feel or does the World Health Organization feel that the United States, in this example, should take responsibility for distributing it in India because it's in everybody's best interest not to have variants emerge and so on like that? Yeah, so the United States has done just a fantastic job in helping drive the development and the scale-up of vaccines around the world. And also, it has done a great job in, in helping to support their rollout globally, because the United States is one of the largest donors to call the COVAX facility, and that's one part of the ACT Accelerator. What is COVAX? Tell us what COVAX is. It's the coronavirus vaccine uh, leg, let's say, of the ACT Accelerator. So the ACT Accelerator, we're trying to scale up the uh, development and rollout of diagnostics, vaccines, and treatments. So the COVAX is the vaccines part of, uh, of this. And COVAX, but both of these things, uh, both ACT and COVAX are, are bureaucracies, right? They're not like, it's not a machine. It's, it's people. The, <laughs> COVAX actually has something called the COVAX facility. And the facility is a collaboration of 190 countries that have come together, decided to pool resources to be able to buy billions of doses of vaccines and initiate their rollout on a global scale. And the U.S. Uh, a couple of months ago decided to join the COVAX facility with a substantial financial donation. So the, uh, the World Health Organization and its partners we um, have uh, used those resources to secure a couple of billion doses of vaccines. But the problem we have right now, Bill, is there's such a demand for vaccines. And because rich countries can pay a premium for those vaccines, it's been very difficult to access enough to roll them out to the poor countries at the same time. So, Oh, come on. That seems like a solvable problem. It Dr. does. Sand- it does. It seems like a very solvable problem. It seems like a really solvable problem one year ago when there were no vaccines. And we said, hey, let's all get together and pool our resources so we reduce the risk, um, we increase how much we can buy. But the problem then is, as soon as the vaccines became available, there became a run on the vaccines. And instead of buying vaccines through COVAX, people decided to do bilateral deals with the manufacturers, and that allowed them to access doses earlier than others. When you say people, who were the people doing this? Officials in governments? Well, wealthy countries were in a position, and, and that was an expectation of their of their people, of course, to access and, and, and buy vaccines, make sure that they would be protected. Um, and you know, at the beginning, Bill, it's fine. As you start to roll out these vaccines, um, you, you, as long as you decide that, look, we want to get to all the healthcare workers around the world and we want to get to all the older people around the world and protect them, the ones who are at highest risk, before we start vaccinating the younger populations in any individual countries. And, you know, that is the right thing to do at, at a global scale. It's going to save the most lives. 
But we're also learning that it is also the economically smart thing to do because the faster other parts of the world get vaccinated, the faster you can get your own economies restarted. And there's some fantastic economic analytics to show that. But most recently now, the virus itself has come and said, look, it's in your interest to vaccinate everywhere because otherwise I'm going to mutate and new viruses are going to evolve. The virus has explained this. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, OK, you didn't think it was the right thing to do for moral argument. Your economics didn't get you here. Let, let me put it to you this way. And the virus says, <laughs> well, here, I'm going to mutate and become really dangerous and I'm going to make your vaccines possibly not work against me. So. Yeah, so that was it. Everybody gets it, Bill. It's in everybody's interest. Get everyone vaccinated. But there are forces at work that aren't just, if I can use the expression, egalitarian. There's economic forces, but also geographic forces. I can't help but notice India is doing, apparently doing extraordinarily poorly. But African nations, which generally aren't very wealthy, are doing pretty well. Is that right? Is that accurate? Well, they're doing well in that they've had low numbers of reported diseases and uh, disease and low numbers of death. But, you know, Bill, this is very early in the game, right? We didn't know this virus. 18 months ago, we didn't, we hadn't even seen it in human populations. So to suggest that we know what it's going to do and what its next move uh, is going to be would be hubris. At this point, I think we've got to learn to respect this virus. We've seen it just you know, India, there was a country that thought it had things well under control and it comes roaring out to cause the kind of devastation we're seeing there. Is there anything special about Africa that would prevent a, a potentially similar situation? We simply don't know enough. And that's the reason you want to protect all of the highest risk people around the world. Because right now, all we know is this virus can go everywhere and there's vulnerability everywhere. So you got to protect people and reduce that vulnerability equitably everywhere. That's the goal. So, well, that's the goal. But what's the problem? Is it funding? Is it organization? Is it local governments? No, actually, I think we've cracked the nut on a couple of the, what have historically been really, really tough parts of this equation, uh, Bill. So, for example, um, in terms of organization, by putting together the COVAX facility, getting 190 countries to collaborate together, pool their, you know, certain amount of their financing and the procurement power, et cetera, um, that was a pretty impressive uh, step and piece of international collaboration. And they put financing into it. They put billions of dollars now. The challenge, Bill, is we're dealing with a very scarce resource. There just is not enough vaccine to go around everywhere. And there won't be for months and months and months. And that's where it comes down to making those tough choices. And these ultimately, Bill, are often political choices, right, that countries have to make about how much vaccine are they going to use on their own vaccination versus share with other countries to let them get started. That, to develop the wealthy countries making that decision. So, yeah, well, it's not just the wealthy countries. This is where it's interesting because vaccine manufacturing, you know, some of the biggest vaccine manufacturers in the world are based in India. And China's got a huge manufacturing, uh, uh, vaccine manufacturing sector now. Brazil produces vaccines and others. So you're starting to see, um, you know, it, it, it's an issue of the wealthier countries that can buy it, but also the countries that actually make the vaccines and produce the vaccines, they control supply as well. So you need all these pieces working together. And that's what the Act Accelerator was set up to do. So what happened in India? They're, they're, they were doing well, right? Yeah, and 
And, and parts of this we can explain and parts of it we can't. Because if you look at the behaviors in India, you may see similar behaviors in another country, but it didn't have the same explosion of cases. So India has got some unique uh, 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 elements, right? It's kind of a perfect storm with that population density, with the mixing of the population, with, uh, as you know, there were some big religious festivals and other things that happened recently allowed for a lot of mixing. So there's been, you know, kind of that perfect storm came together and this thing took off. And once it gets ahead of steam uh, and, and you're in a situation with um, where it's very, very difficult to physically distance people, to isolate people, you know, all those things that are necessary to slow down this virus, um, then you get a situation like we're seeing in India, unfortunately. I knew a guy, a kid, I went to elementary school with, who had polio. And it's just such a serious thing. And India managed to pretty much eradicate polio through vaccination. So I, I imagine their population has respect for it and a respect for the practice of vaccinations and so on. Oh, so, indeed. Bill, what, what India did on polio vaccination, no other country in the world achieved. I mean, they achieved an extremely high level of vaccination coverage, high 90s, multiple times in a row to knock that virus out. The interruption of polio transmission in India is one of the greatest achievements in public health. It's simply extraordinary. We'll be back right after this. Ross has all the spring deals you want, so you can say yes to more looks for you and your budget. Two tops for less? Yes. Dad shorts for the weekend? Yes. Mini skirts for less than online? That's a yes for you and your bank account. Find your certified yes for me moment and save 20 to 60% off department store prices every day at Ross. Hurry in for spring deals today. Items and styles vary by store. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Are you guys involved, is ACT or COVAX involved in creating the what I'm thinking of as the next version of the vaccine, which would be, for example, a pill or a sugar cube or what have you? So, of, of course. Um, so the, the, the interesting thing about the ACT accelerator when it was set up was it was set up as a, what we call an end-to-end solution. So all the way from the R&D right down to the in-country delivery was, was the way it was set up. And what we call integrate, meaning across the diagnostics, vaccines, and therapeutics, and end-to-end. So we haven't stopped to say, great, we have a vaccine against COVID. What we're trying to do is improve those vaccines in two ways. Number one, to make sure they can work against variants as we go forward. 
but most importantly, to ensure that they're programmatically optimized. Ideally, you know, one dose, even that you didn't have to inject, would be great, like intranasally or something like that. So all of that is going on. And um, the COVAX Act Accelerator is one of many, many groups who are investing in promising ideas. Where's that research taking place? That research is happening in academia, in biotech uh, companies, in you know, in the U.S., in the U.K., in the Indias are doing this kind of work. China, everybody's trying to look for a better vaccine. So it'd be like a Tamiflu kind of thing? Well, Tamiflu is a drug, right? So um, that's another piece of the research that's going on, trying to see, can we find a drug that you can take early in the course when you get exposed so that it just makes it a mild disease or stops replication of the virus altogether? That's one of the kind of holy grails, let's say, in in the world of virology, trying to find those kind of drugs. So you've been infected and this thing reduced, a, a theoretical, hypothetical drug would reduce the symptoms to the point where you wouldn't have hospitalizations and so on and so on. Prevent wow. you from getting sick, ideally prevent you from spreading the virus as well, right? So can you summarize what's the big, is there a big obstacle or is it just a big, uh, an array of obstacles? Well, there's a combination of obstacles, right? The single biggest one, there just isn't enough vaccine in the world, right? That's your first one. So in parallel, you've got to work with the manufacturers to scale up production. You've got to look at other new production facilities we could be bringing online. Can we repurpose other production facilities? So the first thing you want to focus on is, can you get more product made? But the second thing that you've got to do in parallel is look at, can you um, optimize the distribution of that product so that the right people get it in the right order, in the right places, so that we can save as many lives as possible? You want to create a lot of vaccine and then you want to distribute it efficiently. Yeah. And there you need, you know, we, I talk about three things that are going to be crucial at this point, uh, Bill. You need the financing, first of all, and you need the money up front to be able to help drive that manufacturing. But money can't buy vaccine right now. What you also need is sharing. You got to share production capacity, share the doses that are being made so that you can get them out to the right groups. Like we may have money in COVAX, but there's some vaccine you can't buy until, you know, October. And then the third thing we need to do is scale up the production. So it's been proposed that a way to address uh, the COVID-19 problem is to waive the patents. Is that a good idea in your view? So the most important thing that we need to do is make sure that the companies that have got the know-how, and the IP, help other companies understand and learn how to make this. Because the IP gives you part of the answer, Bill. It's like, okay, here's the recipe. Yeah, but I don't have a kitchen, I don't know how to cook, you know, you're making complex biologics uh, here. So there are some companies that have already said, uh, I remember correcting Moderna, right, early on said, look, we're not going to enforce our patents, but you don't see Moderna being made everywhere. What you need is the cooperation and help of these companies to help other producers to be able to make it. Otherwise, um, you're going to have real trouble scaling up. You need a combination of solutions. Yeah. For example, uh, when the respirators were thought to be an essential element of addressing this, this pandemic, people started making respirators really fast. What's involved in getting a manufacturer to make one of these vaccines? Refrigeration comp- capabilities? Like what, what sort of thing? Yeah, th- th- this, this is way more complex than making a ventilator. No, no, sorry, I probably just insulted a lot of ventilator makers out there because that is a complex business in itself, but it's a mechanical uh, device you're making, right? Whereas with this, it's a biologic that you're making. So 
And it depends on the kind of virus that you're making here. But sometimes you've got to grow cells and you've got to grow the virus other times. And then you've got to be able to purify this stuff and you've got to be able to you know, concentrate it properly. There's multiple, multiple steps in making this thing. Anything goes wrong in any one of those steps, Bill, and you either don't have a product, you have a dangerous product or a product that doesn't work. So what is the role of ACT in that? This was this this is is an extraordinary uh, uh, construct. Um, what happened uh, back in April of last year? The Director General of WHO and other global health leaders, you know, they were looking at this evolving pandemic, and they said, "Look, we've not got the vaccines, the therapeutics, or the tests that are needed, nor the ability to roll them out on a global scale." So it basically. It was kind of a partial repurposing of the international health architecture and say, how do we get you all working together across an end-to-end solution integrated with all of these countermeasures? So the active cell area uh, drives the coordinated end-to-end solution with these. So at one end, it is supporting research. On another end, it is evaluating all the tools coming out of that research. It's doing fast-track evaluation and where necessary emergency use listing of it through WHO. It's developing the policies. It's getting the guidance out. Remember, WHO is an organization of 194 member states or countries. So it's got an incredible reach in terms of getting standard information out, getting standard policy out, but also drawing on the world's expertise to help try and share and move this agenda faster. So it's been an extraordinary thing to be at the center of uh, the overseas organizations working this way. Are you guys getting ready for COVID-21 or COVID-22? Absolutely. You know, every time you do this, you're, you're, in, you're in a drill for the next one. Uh, every time, this is part of an ongoing learning process. We've got to come out of this better than we went into it. Just like we went into this better than we went into the Ebola outbreak in West Africa, you know, four or five years ago. And we went into that better than we had uh, been when we went into the last H1N1 you know, pandemic. Each one we learned, we get better. We're not as good as we should be. Though too many people have died, too many people have gotten sick, and it's taken us too long to get the products to the people that need them. But we're getting better. And when I say we, it's the world. It's a global community. Are you optimistic about the future? Absolutely. Look what science has done and look what human and, and, and international cooperation have done. You know, there's, there's lots of bad press around the, the, the COVID response. But a new virus came roaring out into the world um, with the ability to cause the kind of devastation we're seeing unfold now in a place like India. But the world came together, developed and researched some. And, and industry gets a lot of credit, right? So came up with the tools, the vaccines, the diagnostics, we learned what treatments work. Um, and we're better in the rollout of them, the equitable rollout, than we were in the last kind of crises like this. But we got to get better still, though. There's too many healthcare workers, too many older people who don't have a dose of vaccine in their arms out there. All right. One last thing. Do you have advice for our listeners? Yeah. The, my, 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 my advice, this is not over yet. Not by a long shot. Get vaccinated. If you're in a position where you can get vaccinated, make sure your friends do. Make sure the right people get vaccinated first. And support the tough political decision that leaders have got to make about using how they use scarce resources. You know, stand up to make sure that healthcare workers, older people around the world get vaccinated before people who are, you know, lower risk of the disease, let's say. But the reality, Bill, is everybody can be part of the solution. Everybody's going to have to continue doing the things that uh, they didn't want to be doing, the masks, you know, the the social distancing for a while yet. But uh, we can beat this, but we can only beat it together as a global community. 
We can only beat it together as a global community. Thank you very much, Bruce. Our guest today has been Dr. Bruce Aylward, Senior Advisor at the World Health Organization. I'm Bill Nye, and my friends, this is a pandemic. We are all in this together around the world, and more than ever, science rules. If you like Science Rules, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. Helps us out, helps other people learn about the show. Thank you. The Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is produced by Harry Huggins and Corey S. Powell. Our editor today is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is Luz Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. Special thanks to Casey Halford. And remember, at Stitcher and all around the world, Science Rules. Three more things, three more things. Wear a mask, get vaccinated, and socially distance till we get through this, everybody. Stitcher. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.